This is episode number 10 of the Abuse Talk podcast with me, Jennifer Gilmore. Welcome to the Abuse Talk podcast. My name is Jennifer Gilmore and I turned my mess into a message. I'm an author and advocate for women in abusive relationships and promote that together we are louder. Each fortnight there is a new episode on the Abuse Talk podcast featuring a series of interviews with those that work in the domestic abuse sector, getting an inside feel for what it's really like in their job role and sharing it with all of you. There's also a chance for you to join in the discussion by leaving a voice recording a message so that we can share together in the discussion. In this episode, I speak to Dawn Patrick. She's a financial advisor and we talk about how advisors can help in link to financial abuse and leaving an abusive relationship. Dawn answers some very personal questions, but it's an informative interview, so stay tuned. A big thank you to Rockpool, who sponsor Hashtag Abuse Talk. They deliver trauma-informed programmes and they have some programmes training coming up this month and next month. So in Cardiff on the 14th of January, they have the Combined ACEs Open Recovery Toolkit Training. And on the 21st of January and the 4th of February in Birmingham and then in Manchester, they have the Combined Domestic Abuse Recovery Toolkit Training. You can find out all about the their courses on rockpool.life. And just to let you know, their training are three days in length, £900 including VAT but seriously life-changing. Some quick statistics for you about hashtag abuse talk. We've just put together our new media pack and we want to share just those few statistics with you right here right now. So we have 135k tweet reach, 368k tweet impressions, 10k podcast reach And something I'm very excited about is that 284% increase in the forum membership. And that's just in the last six months. If you're interested in finding out about sponsoring Hashtag Abuse Talk and reading the full media pack, just drop me a line at contact at jennifergilmore.com. And what you've been waiting for, the interview with Dawn Patrick. Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of Hashtag Abuse Talk Interviews and I have to say Happy New Year because it is January even though right now we're ready for Christmas next week. (laughs) Um, So I'm with um, Dawn Patrick and she's a financial advisor and we're going to be talking all about how a financial advisor could help us um, in situations maybe coming out of an abusive relationship. And we've got a ton of questions to get through from everybody. So thank you to anyone who gave a question. Um, But first, Dawn, can you just tell us a bit about you and your job role? Yes, so um, I started as an office junior when I was 19. Um, Didn't particularly intend to go into financial planning. It was one of those accidental careers. Um, I spent my time sort of building up my knowledge, became an underwriter and then progressed through to being a manager by the time I was 25. Mm. Um, Then motherhood came along, everything changed um, and now I run my own business. I work from home and um, I do the same thing but just in a different way. So I give um, independent financial advice on a wide range of things from 
uh, wealth management to protecting your family to sorting out your credit file. It's very diverse. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like it. Yeah. And um, I suppose when I first met you, we, we were both talking about um, maybe the perception of a financial advisor. Yeah. And even for, for me, I would have thought that's for the more wealthy side of the scale. So I'm guessing that's one of the myths, but do you have any myths in general other than that one about yeah. um, financial advisors? Oh, absolutely. There's, there's so many um, different misconceptions about what financial advisors do. Um, and I guess you're right, a lot of people do make the assumption that you, if you've got money, that's when you come to a financial advisor. <laughs> and I think one of the things I was saying um, when we first met is actually you do need an advisor before that you know right at the beginning so that you right. can do things like um, get your savings ready to be able to buy a property or clean mm. up your credit file and things like that so um, that is one of the myths is that we are for wealthy people um, <laughs> I think one of the other things is um, the the industry has had quite a lot of um, bashing over the last sort of probably the last decade really um, and there was a bit of kind of blur in between um, what an advisor was and what a salesperson was and the regulator has done a massive amount of work over the last I'd say at least the last five years to, to clean up the industry and mm. you have to have um, a higher level of qualification so it's less about the the old school salespeople that you might have seen 10 years ago and more about giving um, best advice starting with a client like you say when they're in the build phase of building up their money or, right. or not quite got enough money to meet, make ends meet right through to um, all the different life stages and working with them for life rather than coming in and delivering a product. So, right. Yeah. And so I guess following on from that, um, how would somebody that hasn't got, you know, how would somebody afford that service mm -hmm. or is there a, you know, how does that work? Yeah, of course, because a lot of the time it does come down to people thinking, oh gosh, it's going to cost me a lot of money. Um, but when you are talking to an advisor initially, usually it's at the cost of the advisor because um, we don't know what you're going to need help with, so we can't put a charge on that. Right. Um, so certainly the way I work is you, you first sit down with me where we go through what your wants and needs are. Mm -hmm. um, there wouldn't be a charge involved. So the only time that we would be charging you is if there is work involved that, that is going to be a lot of our time and cost and yeah. um, but what we do is we'll tell you exactly what that cost is going to be before we do it so right. what I would say is if you are thinking I, I could do with some advice or I could do with getting some information on a certain subject go and have that initial chat and find out a bit more about it mm -hmm. in a lot of cases when you're talking about things like protection you don't pay for that service at all anyway because mm -hmm. we are paid by the product providers right and um, so it's case by case but I would say don't scared of it being a lot yeah. of money yeah <laughs> okay well um obviously um everybody that's listening um sort of generally our interest is domestic abuse yes and with that we have um financial abuse mm -hmm. and so we're wondering if you've helped anybody that's been in that kind of situation and mm -hmm. maybe in an abusive relationship yes. and had that financial strain. Yeah, so um, what a lot of people don't realise is that when you work in the banks and building societies, we, we do get a lot of training around um, vulnerable clients, spotting signs of financial abuse right. um, and the Modern Slavery Act, which is quite a big thing um, that was you know on the radar for us to look out for. So um, when you are going in and you know using your bank and things like that, that there are people available there that have training on spotting the signs 
um, going to your question of have I helped anybody, when I was a junior working at a, a small building society, um, I had a lady who made a comment to me that this was her running away fund. Right. Um, and she was actually quite serious about it and she, she was on her own in the branch at that time and um, we were able to put an alert on her account that would pop up on the screen when she came in because she didn't want that money disclosing or discussing in right. front of the husband. She wanted to make sure that he, he didn't know about that money because mm. ultimately she was going to use that money as her, you know, she made light of it but she called it a running away yeah. fund. Um, so we were able to, when we were serving her, it would come up on the screen, only we could see it, mm. so that if he was there with her, we wouldn't say, you know, do you want to review your savings rate or, or something like that. Yeah. yeah, so I've dealt with it um, a lot of times in a lot of different scenarios. I guess the, the, the thing I see more at this end of the scale with the job that I do now is people come to me in the aftermath of it, right. which is a little bit late really to... Oh. To fix the problem so we'll see people two or three years down the line when they may be in a new relationship or they've moved out of the the property the, the home that they had together and they're in the fixing phase of trying to repair yeah. the damage that, that has been done yeah yeah I mean I have to say um, even the oh I, I mean I've been in that place where I had a joint account mm -hmm. and that was um, a big issue because obviously it's going to affect my credit rating if yes. he's spending in that overdraft um, and thankfully after a while the banks actually listened yeah. and um, you know they were able to freeze the account and he was paying money into that account and yeah. then once it got to a certain point he obviously realised then <clears throat> about the account and yes. that had frozen it right. but he'd spent the money I'd put into for it to be shut down right I um, so I had to build it back up and then I still paid I think it was 200 pounds excess didn't want to pay it but the banks agreed that if I paid that money they would yeah. shut it even though they don't have his signature right. which I think is very rare yes um, and it was a bit of a fight to get that but I think they understood you know the situations yeah. and I think sometimes people don't realize that they can actually go to the banks and have those kinds of conversations that's right yeah. um, and even if it's you know assistance by you where <clears throat> you know even talking to the right people yes. um, is quite difficult Absolutely. so we have been given quite a lot of in-depth questions mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and the first one is quite um, short but with a, probably a big answer um, and obviously these are all personal questions and they've been anonymised um, so we'll try and pick our way through them okay. um, but the first question is can we spot the initial indicators of financial coercive control okay so the, it's quite a difficult one like you say there is quite a broad answer to that um, and we've also got to be careful that we, we're not um, we're not misconcepting what's going on mm. um, here so there's a lot of different signs that could indicate it but obviously would need further investigation mm. before anything comes to light um, but it might be something like for example um, two people have got a joint account but there's only one card active on the account so right. for me as an advisor of people working in the banks or building societies that could be an indicator you know there's, there's two wages coming in but there's only one person always drawing the money there's only one active card um, mm. There could be things like if somebody is being made to account for every penny that they spend, but it's their own money. Mm. Um, so that might indicate that somebody is controlling their money if they're having to account for every penny. Um, so that could obviously put a little flag up there. Um, use of partner details is quite a big one as well. So right. um, it might be that there are credit cards and things 
um, being used by one partner that are in the name of the other partner and they're not aware of it so they're running up like you say running up their credit yeah. without them being aware of it because that can have long-term lasting effects on on the other partner um, and other things like for example they seem to be working a lot of hours and they've got quite a good income coming in but they're, they're never allowed to buy anything for themselves but the other partners dressed head to toe mm -hmm. you know in nice things or little things like never having any cash to hand yeah so there's so many um signs that that could be an indication but would obviously need a little bit more investigation around them yeah it's, yeah. it's quite difficult but even like <clears throat> the first things that you said there on how it would be alerted to even you mm -hmm. that kind of I don't know, it's, more, it's quite reassuring because I guess for me on, on the side of being in that situation, you kind of feel quite isolated yes. um, and so you do need somebody to be able to maybe recognise a sign or yeah. that indicator. So thank you for that. So where, where could we go for advice um, regarding financial abuse then? Yeah. So there is quite a lot of information out there and it's it's kind of sifting through it and getting something that's going to be useful to the person that's reading it. Um, I think the Money Advice Service is, is brilliant at doing this because they do have specific pages for, for um, financial abuse mm -hmm. um, and spotting the signs or what to do if you are in that situation. Because like right. you say, you could be feeling isolated um, but might be able to find some time to, to look it up on the internet but not necessarily go and physically talk to a person without the other partner there. Um, there are charities out there that can help you as well. Um, if it's safe to do so, you can start reporting it with the police so that they have a record because yeah. I think it's really important, even if you're just at that stage where you're thinking, this is getting you know a little bit controlling but I'm not sure where this is going to go and mm. um, by logging it with the police it is a, it is a criminal offence so if they have got a record of this going on then there is then a, you know a backlog of, of what we're looking at if it if the situation does escalate um, a family law solicitor or an independent financial advisor um, like myself can also help you yeah. in getting the advice and the information that you need to to be able to to get yourself free from it Right, thank you for that. I think <clears throat> I've actually seen the um, money advice because they did, um, and I've also seen, I think it was, is that the same as Martin Lewis or is he separate? Yes, yeah, because yeah, they did a massive blog post about it. I think it was only a few months ago and I found it really interesting that they'd taken on board not just um, professionals or charities and organisations, but they actually listened to the readers and the people that interact and engage. Yes. So I did find that quite interesting. So this is um, a quite personal question. Um, I don't know if there is um, a specific field, but it would be helpful to know what support is available for those who had to leave their jobs and go on benefits because of the abuse or because of being dragged through family court, the yeah. family court system or even just any advice to anyone in that position. You know, what can they do to ensure they're, you know, they're not going to be totally financially devastated yes. by it? Um, so not everybody knows this, but there are um, lone parent support workers out there. Not necessarily, you don't necessarily need to be a lone parent to get mm. the, the support. It could just be, you know, a single person that, like you say, has gone through a situation that has taken them away from their job because they've not been able right. to be in work. and for various different reasons. Um, a lone parent support worker, um, I don't know particularly in the whole area, but I know in our area we have a company called Aspire iGen. I think there is one in Hull. Right. Um, and they have the lone support workers based there. What they can help you do is um, 
redo your CV to kind of, you know, you've had this period off work, but explain it to it in a way that the that's going to be positive to the employer, you know, right. so that you can almost um, rewrite your history in an, in an understandable and professional way. Right. So they can help you to do that. What they also do is help you to access, like you say, if they have needed to be on benefits, there might be grants available if you're needing to buy um, clothes to go to a job oh, interview right. or just the travel costs to get to a job interview to get yourself you know there and smart and you haven't had to walk yeah 20 miles or whatever yeah. so definitely do have a look at going into somewhere like the careers advice service and speaking to a lone parent support worker yeah i haven't even considered or thought about that so mm. thank you for that so i'm finding this very interesting actually <laughs> Good. actually i've learned a lot already so thank you yeah um so another question um, obviously another personal one um, my ex was um, lead name on a holiday three years ago when I was seriously ill I have a claim but they will only make compensation payable to um, my ex who is the lead name on the booking I've asked for vouchers to offset against um, her holiday but again they will be in his name I've asked it to be a check so it's in joint names and still um because they still have a joint account basically right. um, and until the house sale goes through so they've refused so how would she get around this okay. um, and because he's, she's a bit worried that he's going to cash the compensation right. basically yeah it's a really really difficult one because when you um, it, it's going to depend on the terms of the contract that the holiday was booked under mm. so there's going to be a lot of print to read through and it might be that you need to speak to a legal advisor um, or maybe um, the travel regulator um, or even just go and speak to a travel agent about the terms of, of the, right. the booking. Um, but usually when you have a lead name on a holiday, you are um, giving them permission to be the lead person in terms of paying for the holiday and right. also receiving any monies back. So it might be a really, really difficult one to overcome. Um, but I would definitely, first of all, make the complaint to the travel agent which they may or may not uphold and be completely honest about the, the reasons behind it. Make sure it's in writing because yeah. then you've got your record and yeah. they will need to respond to that. Um, and then once you get that response, if you are not happy with that response, at least you've given them the chance, first of all, to tell you that they're not going to do what, what you've asked them to do. Then you can take it up with, they will give you the, the details of who you need to go to because it's going right. to depend who it's booked with, <laughs> what the terms are, whether it had, was protected under certain schemes. Right. But your travel agent and your complaints process is going to be your first Point First of contact. Point of contact. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Um, and um, I think this is by the same person. So um, I have a joint mortgage with my ex and want to put it onto interest only. He's refused, um, so the bank have said no. I asked in the court for the judge to order it, but he said he cannot order. You know that. He asked um, if the judge would ask if uh, his ex would agree, and he said no in in the court. So my ex has made no mortgage payments for over two years um, and it can be evidenced. She's obviously off sick and in a bit of a situation. House is up for sale, but he's trying to stop that sale as well by refusing to agree to any of the offers made. Is it fi financial abuse? She believes it is. And have you got any solutions or suggestions to okay. that? And obviously there's quite a lot of information in there, but... Um, obviously that house is being used for yeah. some reason, you know, to, to, as a 
I don't know, we have a control, isn't it? Yeah, a bit of leverage, isn't it? Mm. It's a really, really difficult one because this does happen a lot, mm. um, particularly where one partner remains in the home. Um, and I think that my, my thoughts on that would be, first of all, checking the legal ownership of the property because right. there are two different ways that a property can be owned, which is um, joint tenants or tenants in common. So again, it's a legal right. thing. Um, and it would massively depend on what each party has got to gain from the sale of the property or to lose from transferring to the other partner. Right. Um, I can't give advice on this without knowing the, yeah, the, full, the, full, the full picture. Um, but there are some options, um, for example, is it an option to sever the joint tenancy and, and come off the property altogether? Will you lose any money by doing that? Will equity be lost? Um, right. So I guess a bit more information would be needed. Mm. Um, I would suggest sitting down with a mortgage advisor um, or speaking to the legal team of the lender because again, it's going to be the lender's decision on on what you can do. Right. Yeah, but you can ask to speak to the legal team at the lender's office. Right. Okay. That's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another one to do with regarding a property. Um, I need to sell the house again to pay for a court, but I'm so scared of selling again. Is there any help with it at all? Or the builder to buy houses as part X, or are there loans from the government? Uh, um, you know, for anyone that is starting out again and need to repay, you know, back again in five yeah. years. I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot in that question in as well. Um, but, you know, I think it's um, I think it's quite an upsetting situation, isn't it? If you have to basically sell your house to pay for your court fees anyway. So do you yeah. know of any any help or support in that situation? I think it's really important to um, take each step at a time. So deal with, with first of all, the sale of the property. Um, it, the question around the, the part X in the property is not going to solve the problem because it won't allow you to take any money out. Mm. And usually when you part X in, it means you, it's like when you do it with a car or something, you, you're going up a level, so you're ultimately going to end up with a bigger mortgage, right. um, which may or may not fit your affordability so part exing probably wouldn't solve that problem right, okay. um, in answer to the question there are lots of schemes available out there when you start again so start with the first issue which is the sale of the property and the paying of the court fees then move into your second phase which is cleaning all of that up so right. cleaning up the credit file if there's any damage um, rebuilding any deposits if you've not had anything back out of the property right. and sometimes getting from where you are now to where you want to be can be a bit of a process mm. which is what I was saying about speaking to an advisor at the beginning and they can guide you through that yeah. and then it might be by the time you've done those two steps and you get to the third step which is the starting again step mm. um, you'll have already laid the foundations right. in terms of getting your deposit saved um, and then you, your mortgage advisor will be able to tell you which of those schemes will benefit you if any because they're right. not always suitable for everybody um, so step by step one thing at a time which yeah. is difficult when if you're anything like me you want to think ahead <laughs> where am I going to be this time next year kind of thing but yeah. yeah take it in smaller chunks yeah and I think it's like an overwhelm isn't it you can easily yeah. get overwhelmed in those situations and to be honest you know I wouldn't blame anybody would you no. um, and you do try and think can I clear this you know yeah, situation up in 10 years time yeah. and for I mean originally in my head I'd separated it's been about six years now right. and I think we've I think we've got like £1,000 worth of debt which is manageable and yeah. um, but last year we became debt free for the first time and so yeah. 
it's like there is hope, isn't there? Yes. You know, there is yeah. some hope. That's right. <laughs> I think sometimes people can get overwhelmed with the feeling of, I'm never going to get there. Yeah. Um, but if you can sit down with somebody that can say to you, right, okay, this is your first step. You know, And I've had feedback from clients that have said to me that I've seen them two years ago and it's next year that they'll actually be getting on the property ladder. And they're like, if I hadn't have had those regular check-ins and you saying to yeah. me, get yourself a help to buy ISA or whatever little, yeah. little tip that I gave them, they will then reach that goal. But it's them that's doing it, not me. I've just yeah. kind of said... Here you go. This is how you can get there. Yeah, yeah. And also, to be honest, it's really difficult to find all of that information. It is. I mean, you can go on Google. You can have a look around, and and you know, you could be there for ages, but you have conflicts on websites, and yeah. then maybe it's not the right choice for you because I don't. Th- I think it's, you know, websites might try and make it, you know obvious or it's a bit like the law isn't it it's interpreted and I think it is interpreted to your situation it's very custom yeah so I would say that anybody that's given a question like that it's obviously been very personal questions that if they did want to you would be able to direct them to anybody or if they need anything they could yes uh, like you say um, don't don't spend hours and hours trawling through all of this information and trying to find yourself a plan that's what the financial advisors are, are there for mm. um, and I certainly have no problem sitting down with somebody now knowing that they're not going to buy a house for two or three years mm. because I, I build up um, lifelong relationships with my clients so if yeah. they come to me and say my credit file's a mess I don't have any deposit you know I'm happy to sit down and say right okay here's your steps of what we need to do mm-hmm. let's check in and let's get you from here to here yeah and the time frame is is in your control yeah, yeah. no that's perfect so Anybody that um, wants to hear more from Dawn on those questions, please get in touch with Dawn and she'll yes. be giving the information in a minute. Brilliant. So this question is actually my question to okay. you. Um, and my hus- it's, it's about my husband's property. Um, he isn't. He wasn't in an abusive relationship, but it was very. It's very estranged okay. uh, relationship. Um, so I've put. We have a court order to say my husband takes responsibility of the flat. He can take over the mortgage. However, the flat is in a negative equity, and so we can't get a transfer of equity into my husband's or our names jointly. The bank okay. won't allow it. They still also have an issue with not having her signature. He has paid the mortgage solely for five years. Um, she stopped paying her half, you know, yeah. way back then. Okay. Um, is there anything we can do? Because we feel like the banks have kind of trapped us into a okay. situation. So in that situation, there's no equity. So the ex-partner is not going to lose anything by um, ending the financial relationship with right. with her ex-partner, your, mm. your husband. So um, I would say speaking to the legal team about the options of severing the joint tenancy, right. which would then put the control of the property into one person's name. Right. You've still got the issue of negative equity, which there's not going to be any quick fix no. on that. <laughs> um, but I guess... It would depend on what he wants ultimately to do with that property. Um, so does he plan to hold on to it as an investment? Does he want rid of it? What, mm. Whatever his goals are um, can then be achieved if, it, if he can get it under his own control. Mm. Um, whether the lender will agree to take ex-partner off the mortgage under the severing of the tenancy could also be an issue. Um, there is a really, really helpful um, page on housing rights under the Money Advice Service, okay. which will tell you what uh, what rights each person has, but also tells you about legal ownership 
um, and the two different types and how you can get legal advice on how to do that without because there's no equity to transfer yeah so that that's why the bank is kind of saying can't do that because there's nothing to transfer but it's not helping mm. you resolve your situation no it just makes it a bit tricky absolutely so again speak to the lenders not particularly the mortgage servicing department but maybe somebody more on the legal side right. around the ownership type and have a chat with a family legal solicitor around whether it's the right thing for him to do to request severing the tenancy mm -hmm. and whether ex-partner's willing to sign to do that. I would guess that she's got nothing to gain by staying on there. No, I mean, I think what might happen is in years to come when she actually wants to get a mortgage, yeah. she'll probably realise that she's still on a mortgage. I That's don't think right. she actually knows because of that court order that we've originally got that she's yeah. still a part of it. Yeah, I um, see. But of, and we're both self-employed, so yes. then that becomes another factor into the difficulties of the situation. Yes, because you've got the, the lender assesses the affordability of the remaining yeah. um, applicant. How is the, the property used at the moment? At the moment, it's it's been let. Right, okay. So, so with the struggle, some... that was a struggle with the court order, but the solicitors yeah. managed to get it through. Otherwise, we would find it very difficult. We managed two years with it being stood I empty. See. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So there, there may be some other options that a mortgage advisor can help you with, mm. which I won't go into on because yeah. it's quite a long answer. <laughs> um, but there is help available on that. Okay. Um, but the first step is sorting out the legal ownership, and then the next step will be talking to a mortgage advisor about how that could potentially be held. Yeah. Um, there's possibility of the, the consent to lease or a buy to let. There's lots of options. Yeah. But again, get the advice yeah, to move it definitely. forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, well thank you for that. Um so how can people get in touch with you um, and, and if they need any advice then? Okay, so I do write a page called The Money Academy um, where I've posted a few videos with things like removing an ex-partner from your credit file, tidying up your credit file, um, giving yourself a regular financial health check. Um, so you can add The Money Academy page or request the link. Um, Jen can share my details with you. Um, so you can give me a call or an email. If it's difficult for you to be able to do that, then I am happy for you to contact me via Facebook as well. Yep, and um, I'll actually put all of the information in the description of this. Okay. So I, I always ask people, but for those that are listening, um, it's easier to get that information. Yes. So that leads me to say thank you so much, Dawn, okay. because some of those questions were quite for me or it might it might not be for you but I was quite daunted and I thought oh my gosh well, goodness we're going into this interview and going through these really difficult situations it's yes. not really a simple answer is it it's not no it never is um, so thank you so much and um, for those of you who are watching right now on YouTube you can head over to hashtag abuse talk on Twitter and carry on discussing um, domestic abuse and we might make it a financial topic um, because we, we might as well carry on the conversation so I'm going to say that now we're going to discuss finances mm -hmm. um, over on the Twitter chat and um, it leaves me to just say a big thank you the next interview I don't know why I've got the wrong date on here it's actually the first Wednesday of February so whatever that date mm -hmm. is that's the next um, interview that goes out so Keep an eye on the pages, stay tuned, um, and thank you so much You're welcome. once again. Thank I've really enjoyed me. it, and I've actually learned quite a lot, and I'm sure that 
um, viewers and listeners will have also taken something from this. It's Great. such an important interview. So thank you so much, Dawn. Thank you for having me. <laughs> A big thank you to Dawn for agreeing to be interviewed. You've been listening to Jennifer Gilmore, author of Isolation, Junction and Clipped Wings, both available on Amazon or my website, jennifergilmore.com.